I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamlet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, and I have a question for all of our listeners to start off this podcast, Michael. Are you a fan of charming but inessential Will Smith movies? Because, slight hitch, you won't find any of them on this podcast, but what you will find are two gentlemen who you can call the front of the plane, Michael, because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow and send us all your favourite things from the show while you're on. We love to talk ourselves horse about a talking horse and we hope you do too. If you'd like to follow either of your hosts as well, you can do just that. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we'd love you to subscribe. We can find it on Spotify where we'd love you to follow you can find it on Acast, where we'd love you to subscribe pretty much anywhere. You can get your podcast. You can get Podcast Horseman. You can even get it on a Friday on Twitter if you subscribe um, through Acast or indeed just want to play it through the Acast player. There'll be a tweet that goes up on the Twitter account every single Friday, same time, same day. Um, and if you want to leave us a five-star review through any of the podcast apps that do it, we would love you to do that. It gets us up the charts, gets more people talking themselves, horse part of talking horse, gets more people, more ears and eyes on the podcast, and we love all that good stuff. And if you're a first-time listener, and as always, if you are, why are you? Get yourself back to the beginning. If you want to leave us a five-star review, a few comments, they can be nasty, they can be nice. You have a good chance of getting read out on this very show. We give out stars and our Hollywood talk of fame, and there will be another one coming at the end of this episode. Hooray! More stars, Michael. More stars. That's <laughs> what we're after. And speaking of hooray, I guess we could go straight into this week's Netflix synopsis for the episode of Jack Horseman. We are, of course, at season three, episode three it is, and the title of this very episode, Hooray! Todd episode! <laughs> Helpful to a fault, Todd is spread thin, doing favours for Princess Carolyn, Mr. Peanut Butter, and a visitor with a potential connection to Bo Jack Horseman. Now, as we've already established, it isn't Will Smith. Michael Hoffman. <laughs> for anybody who might have been thinking it was, it is not Will Smith. But, would you like to start us off so we can find out who it is? It is not Will Smith, but Bojack is probably wishing he could have one of their memory devices by the end of this one when we find out who indeed it is. Oh, uh, it, oh. it is a Todd episode, and that is where we will start. Um, an orchestra plays in the open air of the beautiful Holly Woo Bowl 
I guess we'll have to call it in Bojack world. Um, they're reaching the grand crescendo of their piece in front of a packed out crowd, um, including a seal playing a cello or a double bass or something along those lines, looking very nervously at the empty chair by their side. Um, a crowd shot shows Todd hurrying through the audience, making it just in time to end the piece and bring the house down with a single strike of a triangle, of which we are led to believe that the piece just wouldn't be itself without that. And we cut to the bar after the show, all the various musicians are sat talking, uh, shooting the sh with their beers. Uh, and like members of the orchestra are basically sharing wild rumours of a mythical hymn figure. Um, <laughs> there are such stories of somebody being in a prison gang, being a tech millionaire and being a foreign prince. And they're all true because they're on about Todd, uh, a lion uh, at the next booth along, who uh, we are led to believe is obviously part of this orchestra crew, um, tells this extravagant tale about how Todd once saved his pregnant daughter, delivering and circumcising the lion baby, and then debating religious ethics with her, all on the ladder of a rescue helicopter while he was trying to perform a circumcision. Uh, it turns out he took out took over as a triangle player on this orchestra about a year ago. We learned this through the dialogue. Uh, and the lion notes that one day uh, he kind of hopes that Todd won't show up in, uh, in suggesting, implying that he's been late to this triangle thing before. Um, <laughs> he says, no man should be asked to give that much. And as he lands on the most profound line on what has been an incredibly profound intro all about Todd, Todd bursts out of the toilet in a complete shambles. Uh, he's in his tuxedo, but it's all unbuttoned and all dishevelled as well you can imagine. There are greasy handprints all over it. And he explains he's actually been stuck in the toilet for half an hour because he had taco grease on his hands. And that obviously explains why he's had to rub the grease all over himself. It does not seem possible that the man that has just burst out of this bog is the same person that they have spoken about in such hushed and hallowed tones. Um, feels like the right time because there's going to be a lot of Todd here, let's be honest. Um, it's not a spoiler-free podcast, but I can spoil the next hour or so by telling you we're going to be talking about Todd. So let's just touch on this intro, an out-of-nowhere way to start a totally out-of-nowhere episode. Absolutely. The brand-new and first-ever episode of Toddcast Horseman today. <laughs> and I think everybody's very excited to dive into this world. I know I certainly was when we, got, when we kind of figured out it was going to be this episode. But the best thing about this whole opening is, is that as huge as this myth is, as huge as... So big, in fact, is the myth of Todd that it needs its own animation and illustration style for that exact bit you described where he's saving the lion and all that kind of thing. Is that it's all true, Michael. Every <laughs> single part of it is true. Every single part. And it goes way back to when we first started doing this podcast. And we talked about Todd as this strange, whiz, wise, wisdomful... Wisdomful? That's a word now. Wizened. Is he wizened? Wizard. Yeah, wizened, wizened, yeah. A wizened man. It sounds like he's taking a piss, doesn't it? Wizened. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, a super wise character who obviously presents as an idiot, but ultimately strangely sort of prophetic in his nature when he just turns up and has the right answers, even if they're at the wrong time. And apparently it's just carried on. It's just weird how we sort of accrued these over the last three seasons or so. And he's, but every single one of them is true. That's what I love about this. It's not even a myth. Bojack's got a load of bullshit around him that is actually false. Whereas Todd's is all true and he's never tried for any of it. They're all pushing the ceiling of, of believability. And yet, as you said, they're all completely legitimate. Now, you will excuse me if I lose my breath during the course of this review, because it's amazing that Todd doesn't 
during the episode. This goes at a frantic pace, so I will try and cover everything as best as I can. Uh, but the day starts with Todd bounding off the sofa at Mr. Peanut Butter's house, which is back in full campaign mode, of course. Uh, with the, he called after the uh, the ski race in episode one. Mr. Peanut Butter is now in a, a race to become the actual governor of California. Um, Katrina is grilling Mr. Peanut Butter on fracking, but they haven't yet had the pollen research back from the public to let him know what he actually thinks about this. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I should point out in Mr. Peanutbot's house, everything is even more of a buzz than it was before in terms of campaign things going on around the centre of the sort of the centre of this campaign, Mr. Peanutbot himself. Diane notes that she absolutely hates fracking, uh, wants Mr. Peanutbot to be against it. But Katrina notes it doesn't really matter what he thinks as long as he's sincere and emphatic. All the while Todd is buzzing around, he feeds Mr. Peanut Butter some cheese out of his pocket. He preps Diane's lunch before she buzzes off to work. He, uh, he serves Mr. Peanut Butter some breakfast while setting the table and making it all nice, giving him a PB bibbing bib so he doesn't spill his food. Um, and then it becomes uh, apparent in the conversation that Mr. Peanut Butter has left his all-important glasses at Vim Management from when he was last meeting with Princess Carolyn. Uh, Katrina asks Todd as quote he never does anything to take the campaign bus over there to go and get them again off the back of just seeing Todd as this permanent Billy Whiz in the background making all the little things happen that nobody notices it just feels like an unnecessary dig at Todd and again we're going to get plenty of those uh, he goes to leave and as he does he bumps into a delivery man uh, Katrina shouts for him to sign for whatever the parcel is but he doesn't have the time he's got to go get the glasses Nicholas uh, he drives the bus away in a frantic hurry, and in the meantime, a shadowy outline of a horse in an overcoat in the bushes looks on. So over to uh, Princess Carolyn's office, and uh, PC is asking a favour from uh, Todd, who is obviously already busy doing the other favour of picking up the glasses. Um, she wants him to go to dinner with actress Courtney Portnoy as part of an image change uh, in line with Portnoy's new action movie, Ms. Taken. I should point out that there's some absolutely incredible wordplay from Amy Sedaris here. They always, always put it to the test with tongue twisters, the sorts of which I wouldn't dare try and attempt on this podcast, but go and watch this episode because it's yet another triumph in uh, Princess Carolyn's delivery. Um, Todd agrees uh, to date her, um, so she'll be a little bit more relatable to the general public. Uh, and he picks up Mr. Peanut Butter's glasses on the way, noting that he's got a meeting later on that night. Um, but he's okay to go as long as it's just a lunch date. Uh, and he <laughs> he does note quite tragically that he doesn't actually mind the paparazzi turning up. He likes getting his picture taken because, quote, it's proof I exist. <laughs> <laughs> back at Mr. Peanut Butter's house uh, as Todd returns the glasses uh, but they're in trouble with the fracking situation turns out that the delivery that Todd uh, didn't sign for was the pollen result that was going to tell them which way Mr. Peanut Butter was supposed to favour on this particular issue um, Todd's sternly told by Katrina to sign for anything that has Mr. Peanut Butter's name on in the future uh, and she sends Mr. Peanut Butter to his podium to give an impassioned speech that somehow doesn't give an opinion and he manages it. He says, quote, I'm taking your side. To which one journalist asks, what side is that specifically? To which Mr. Peanut Butter replies, he's on the side of facts and feelings. And the journalist replies, well, I'm satisfied. And dashes off the type of his coffee. Uh, while all of this is going on, Todd is stood in the background. And an old lady uh, comes up to Todd and asks him to sign a letter that she wants to send off to the state government. Which he does, gamely, because of course he's following Katrina's advice. Before he is suddenly gagged and apparently drugged, he comes around and it's the shadowy horse figure that we saw earlier on. She gives her name and it's Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerrero, Robinson, Zilschlag, Sung, Fonzarelli, McQuack. Uh, all of those names. 
<laughs> that was Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerrero, Robinson, Zilschlag, Sung, Fonzarelli, McQuack, which Todd gets her to repeat the first name and surname over and over again, which she does diligently for those of us recapping an episode because you can pause it and capture the subtitles, um, noting that she was adopted by eight dads in a committed gay polyamorous relationship. Um, however, despite that, you know, unconventional but seemingly very secure upbringing, uh, she was always told that she looked like Bojack Horseman, and she wants to know if he's her, quote, biological sperm guy. Uh, <laughs> Todd says... <laughs> Todd's notes that Bojack said, quote, his <laughs> sun-dried tomatoes. Back in the 90s, it got into everything. Um, she, she's used brilliantly her own spice bags, which is why she chloroformed Todd, because as she points out, once you've got it, you've got to use it. Um, she learned about Todd and Bojack living together through Bojack's book and asks if they can go to Bojack's house and get some t- uh, DNA. Todd's about to suggest they're getting over there and she chloroforms him and they just wake up in the building somehow because she just can't get enough of it. Quote, sorry, it's just too fun. Uh, They're about to root around Bojack's house and there's a great cut and reveal gag here. Um, Todd Todd is just looking, like ambling around looking for DNA and then we hear Hollyhock somewhere in the distance saying, oh, I think I've got some and we cut to Bojack himself passed out, hammered on the couch, surrounded by beer and drugs and pizza boxes. We have no idea how long he's been back in his house because his house was, of course, left a shambles when he indeed left for Michigan, what appears to be around a year ago. And she takes her hair out of Bojack's head, and then, which doesn't wake him up, and then says, let's blow, which immediately does, sparking him into life as he suddenly wants any kind of drug that's available to him. Uh, with Bojack awake, he sort of uh, asks a few awkward questions. There's a bit of tension between all three. Uh, Todd gets uh, himself just about off referring to her as his potential daughter to say dot, 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 maid. And Bojack is so genuinely touched by uh, Hollyhock apparently being his maid. She then picks up a feather duster, just to look as if that's exactly what she's there for, uh, that he feels like he wants to open up to Todd about how grateful he is to still have his friendship. But Todd cuts that off, cuts off any sentiment. He notes that they haven't spoken in a year. And to be honest, he quite likes it that way. Before it can get any deeper than that, though, uh, Hollyhock chloroforms Bojack. So Todd can dash off to go and get the DNA tested. Sadly, when he gets to the DNA testing office, uh, it turns out that he needed a sample from Hollyhock too. They won't just accept her name at the desk. Uh, and anyway, we have to put a pin in that storyline because he's late for his date with Courtney Portnoy. Before we go to the date with Courtney Portnoy, let's talk about Hollyhock and Bojack, a potentially huge reveal here, um, a part of Bojack's uh, lineage that we perhaps weren't aware of, a payoff, if you will, to the uh, kind of gripping cliffhanger finale of season three. Quite a lot from something that on the surface seemed quite daft. It was all chloroform attacks and spy shit, gags about drugs, but they're dealing with some potentially quite heavy plot. Well, you say it's all daft and really, but these are these are the moments, Michael. There's loads of little clues here, isn't that? Because we know Bojack has his own spy bag, just like Hollyhock. We've seen him in almost that exact get-up that she was wearing. And there's just little things that she does throughout the episode. Obviously, if you're watching it, you'll pick up on more of these, where she sort of suggests the similarities between the two, doesn't she? She follows his patterns of behaviour and... You're going to immediately start thinking, well, hang on, this this is all of it. Do we do we even need this DNA test at this point? But we're <laughs> going to go along for the ride anyway, because if we didn't, Michael, then we wouldn't get the hilarious moment, which I'm going to give you for free just right now, because I'm in a good mood, uh, of Todd trying to just turn up at the pharmacy with Hollyhock's <laughs> name, which I will say in inverted comments, because despite the fact that you had the name, which was, of course, Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerra, Robinson, Schil- 
Zilberschlag sung Fonzarelli McQuack. Todd's version wasn't quite on the money. It was close. Hollyhock Mannheim Mannheim. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Hollyhock Mannheim Mannheim Gorilla. Rubber dub. Rubber dub dub. Zoolander. Hallelujah. Something. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Which one. It's close, I will say, but not quite close enough. But yes, uh, very interesting stuff. This immediately excited to know more. I think we can both agree mm. with regards to Hollyhock and another job for poor old Todd. His feet don't leave the ground in the early part of this episode and things don't really change. Off he goes for his date with Courtney Portnoy at the Italian that is, of course, owned and ran by all the staff that used to work at Elefante and now is seemingly the destination for all the dinners in the worlds of all the characters of Bojack. Um, Courtney, I should point out, is brilliantly, overdramatically voiced by Sharon Horgan, um, famous British comedy actress that has since gone on to America to do amazing things. Um, big star of Catastrophe over here. Does a really great job of sounding like the upper-class snobby actor that has had doors open for her and perhaps doesn't belong in the Miz Taken film, which of course is why Princess Carolyn has set this up in the first place. Um, she's already quite scatterbrained about being Todd's, quote, dirty peasant girl. And before they can even really bond or talk, she completely, she just bails out from the dinner altogether into an absolutely enormous limousine waiting outside. And that's what the paparazzi's catch, not her date with Todd. So that's done the complete opposite of what they needed from that one scene. Um, anyway, no time to dwell on that because Todd races back to Bojack's to get Hollyhock's DNA, which is what he was supposed to be doing in the first place. And when he gets there, he finds that she's just been rooting through Bojack's things. She's eating donuts and she's napped. Leading, as you noted, Todd to suggest that maybe the DNA test is not such a necessary thing after all. Um, we do get a daft gag where Todd is sent dashing back and forth to the DNA office again just to ask simple questions that are responded with a uh, no. And then he finally lands at the house when uh, Hollyhock gives him a comb with some of her hair in. Before that, Bojack pulls Todd aside into his room where he's been resting to say that he's going to have to fire Hollyhock because she's an absolutely terrible maid, leading Todd to knock him back out with his own booze and clean the entire place himself while Hollyhock sits on her arse, again drawing other comparisons with Bojack. This is the first time when you think about it as well, in a year that Bojack's place has been restored to what it was before the Oscar nominations party. God. That was the last time this house looked like that. Uh, Todd gets a call from Katrina just as he finishes sprucing the place up, who calls him a quarter wit for signing the old lady's document earlier in the episode when she had him in a rush to another task. Uh, it turned out it, uh, that document provided unambiguous support for fracking on behalf of Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> Katrina deals with it <laughs> by first pivoting into Mr. Peanut Butter being pro-fracking and then violently screaming and shouting into a pillow in the background. While Mr. Peanut Butter very casually notes that he's not actually too bothered about having to back fracking, but he is bothered about having to have Diane know that he's pro-fracking. He gives Todd uh, the simple job of getting Diane to not look at all forms of television, phones, or the internet for the rest of the day. Uh, he lets, Todd lets Hollyhock know, uh, Hollyhock, excuse me, Hollyhock know that he's got to go and do this ridiculous task before the DNA test, but she's passed out again too. So that's something he has to put on ice to go and do his next thing. Uh, we'll do one more cut and then I'll try and get your thoughts on this because, again, this is just a relentlessly packed day for Todd. We cut to Girl Crush, where Todd, in his latest task, has <laughs> uh, been dancing at Diane with her back to the monitor, which we learn for 55 minutes. <laughs> to sort of paint a picture for you here. He is just dancing on the spot. 
arms and legs flailing wildly. Diane is on one of them sort of feng shui chairs. Um, it's another gag that we always go to where the furniture is slightly different than the Gold Cruise offices. She's got her back to the monitor. She could turn at any moment, but Todd has somehow kept her looking for the better part of an hour with his dance. On the spot, he makes up a name for it. The Samba. <laughs> at which point, Stephanie, uh, Stefani, should I say, Ralph's sister, comes in and notes how much she loves him. Like, Everybody does. She can't get enough of Todd. Um, she notes on her way past to Diane that she just loves her articles, even though nobody reads them. Uh, meanwhile, Todd is called again. Um, this time it's by Princess Carolyn, who bollocks him for the lunch going wrong and harasses him into going to a Shark Jacobs fashion show with her instead. Uh, she's determined to get this publicity shot of the two of them together. Uh, back to Diane. And uh, Todd advises her, obviously, when she find her, finds herself a little bit upset based on uh, Stefani's comments about the fact that her articles aren't getting reads, aren't getting clicks, uh, to hide her important content in juicy gossip, much in the same way he hides Mr. Peanut Butter's pills inside bits of cheese. Very nicely done there. Uh, she loves the idea and <laughs> turns her head very slowly to the internet, where the story that we see on the on the monitor, uh, on Diane's monitor at the time, is all about Mr. Peanut Butter supporting <laughs> fracking and that he hasn't told his wife. <laughs> Because she's doing it so ridiculously, cartoonishly slowly <laughs> at a snail's pace. Todd manages to distract her just again with a panicked lie about Channing Tatum having an illegitimate daughter that's also a current Cordovian refugee. He's tried to hit all the sweet spots. Should point out earlier in the episode, Channing Tatum got a little mention from Bojack because we learned that he's Bojack's neighbour and he's been keeping his post and collecting all his mail in all the time Bojack's been away. He's kind of been a great friend of Bojack despite us never hearing about Channing Tatum before. Uh, Todd gives Diane the Bojack and Hollyhock hairs to get tested under the guise that these are the hairs of Channing Tatum and this mysterious daughter, but he begs her to call him first if it happens to be a match. I'll stop there to take a breath, because you must be sick of listening to me. Todd doesn't get that opportunity. This is insane. I would never be sick of listening to you, Michael. That would be a lie. It's the people at home I'm worried about. They're <laughs> the ones, the poor guys and gals at home. But this is, like... I mean, what else did we expect from a Todd episode? It was always going to be 100 million miles an hour, popping between different places. And anybody who has never noticed it before will now be fully, fully initiated in the greatest bit of animation probably in this show, a consistent bit. It's just Todd's, the way that Todd runs, where his <laughs> little arms, his arms are flat at his side and his body runs forward in front of him. His legs are ahead of his body at all times, while his little arms just flail like, he doesn't actually move his arms in time with his legs that just flop by his side. If you haven't noticed it already, you will now after this episode. And he's just everywhere, isn't he? Everywhere and nowhere. And somehow, is he actually doing a good job? Is he is he actually somehow managing to achieve these? Uh, it's, a series, it's a series of half jobs that kind of form one whole. I think that's what he's aiming to do. The, the quarter wit is using the best of his abilities <laughs> and is almost achieving them, I think it's fair to say. Let's not take away, you know, the man's been dancing for 55 minutes, mate. <laughs> He's distracted probably the most intelligent character in this show for 55 minutes at Girl Cruise. What's particularly elegant, I think is probably the word, about this episode is that, yes, if it feels like racing through the plot, it's because, indeed, Todd literally races through the episode. They're getting through some pretty significant beats for this season. We've already yes. touched on Hollyhock and Bojack's potential relationship, the DNA test, all the things they've got in common. We've now 
learn a little bit more about how Mr. Peanut Butter's campaign is going to be shaped. They didn't know what his opinions were until those opinions arrived or until the opinions were thrust upon them. But Mr. Peanut Butter is finding a way to navigate that regardless. We also learn that Diane is in a job that she should theoretically be quite satisfied with, but is realising that perhaps she does want a bit more vindication from the public than those niche articles are giving her. Um, it's just very, very cute in how they drop all of this significant stuff that feels like it's going to be the like the foundation for the season, like against the backdrop of very silly Todd stuff. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because although it is daft and it's a million miles an hour, like one of the, the biggest things that I noticed watching this through was we get we get potentially a smoking gun that is starting to form very slowly but surely mm. uh, in terms of Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter. For anybody yeah. who, of course, has watched the previous episodes in this season and, of course, the finale of last season, what was the very last thing that Stefani was asking Diane? Would she be prepared to write an article on her husband should it come to that while he was doing things like running for the governor of California. And all of a sudden, Michael, I don't know, but you know, uh, it feels like some big issues are starting to crop up here that may or may not drill into the heart of things. It's uh, it's great as well. I love the like the way in which uh, Stefani has been so relentlessly positive about mm. Diane's work. And yet the one minor negative is the thing that Diane clings onto. It's that great. It's a comment on comments section culture which yeah. is such a common thing now. Um, obviously, for anybody that listens to us, uh, it's something we're both relatively experienced of with working at What Culture, but this is something that is kind of bleeding into regular life now in the form of anyone that exposes themselves to Twitter or Facebook or really any kind of social media. Uh, you always hear about it. Those negative remarks are the ones that are going to stick regardless of all the positivity that others give you or indeed the positivity that you're able to take on yourself. And that happens to Diane over the course of, what, a 30-second conversation with her boss? Yeah, and that, and I think Stefani's cool character is very much she's of the next generation, the forward thinkers who are trying to like usher in this era, or certainly the pioneers of this era. And unfortunately, that brings with it all of the negative side of things that maybe don't get said. She's always so passive. It's it's really, I think that's the most notable thing. Just the way she talks to Diane is really sort of disarming, isn't it? Because Diane, for all intents and purposes, is probably smarter than her in terms of what she wants to tackle in terms of life experiences and what she wants to do. Whereas Stefani, as we know, is, is kind of coming from this, the Stilton family, isn't she? This, mm. the whole Stilton hotels, as we found out, which is Ralph, of course, as well. So there's not that much on the line for her, like morally, other than she just wants to make money and get clicks. So where does Diane fit in all of this? And I think that's probably the biggest, certainly at this point, obviously, aside from Hollyhock, the excitement of, what could possibly be happening there. This felt like the, the most notable nugget to take away from all of this, I think. I think the line, I haven't got this one written down, but I think the line was something like, it doesn't uh, It doesn't make me click, but it really makes me think. And it is impossible to discern from that if that's a compliment, if that's a criticism, yeah. if she wants change, if she wants more of the same. You cannot figure out, no. if that was your boss, what your next move would be. She leaves it so vague. All of her sentences pretty much are constructed in that little chunk to be vague, to be interpreted by the whoever is receiving them, mm. however their <laughs> internal clock might take them. And I think it, to, to say that Diane is struggling inside, Michael, would probably be a little bit of an understatement. 
Mm. And we will get back to that later, but we have to get to a fashion show, don't we? Fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch, where Todd arrives and, <laughs> and he sees L entrance, assumes the signs of Spanish, <laughs> and goes in only for, in the, you know, I'm sorry to tread on your toes here, Nicholas, but of course, a toucan with a long nose to move out the way, revealing model entrance because what else would it be Todd walks in the door straight onto the catwalk uh, he awkwardly walks down the catwalk kind of having to basically accept his fate or oh, god this is happening uh, he's just pelted with abuse and various items for the crowd but he begs off from the whole thing saying of course isn't fashion for everyone now you and I might think that's the stupidest question to ask at a fashion show but because it's Todd Shark Jacobs and Tim Gunn actually having just seconds earlier been the ones to like throw him abuse and in Tim Gunn's case, a sewing machine, <laughs> suddenly agree, saluting his message, saluting the idea that Todd has somehow returned fashion to the people, <laughs> and his look of that red hoodie and the yellow hat is a hit. Diane rings in the meantime to say that the DNA was a match, so at least she did listen to Todd and got in touch with him first. Um, so Todd races over to Bojack's away from the fashion show, where they're in the process of stitching together a new red hoodie, which is going to be this season's hottest item, uh, to uh, get back to Bojack's to let Holly Hollyhock know that it's a match. Uh, Bojack is so impressed with her work as a maid, because of course all he's seen is the work that Todd has done, that he sent her round to Channing Tatum's house as a thank you for collecting his mail while he was away. <laughs> um, we learn in this course, this conversation, that Di uh, Bojack hasn't told Diane that he's back uh, before reeling off a host of various drug dealers and other randoms that he has. Quite interesting, of course, that we know that Diane was the one desperately reaching out to him, and now he's there, he doesn't have the guts to reach out back to her. Uh, he takes a moment to get hugely deep and profound about how lucky he is while Todd's in the room and while Todd's done all these things to him, just how grateful he is to have a friend like Channing Tatum. Uh, <laughs> Todd's, Todd's dejected acceptance of Bojack's complete ignorance to him entirely is both heartbreaking and heartwarming because Todd looks disappointed for a split second in Bojack's decision-making and yet so expectant of it that he's able to leave in an instant. Bojack asks him to go around to Channing Tatum's house and tell him that he can't be his friend anymore because he can't deal with breaking another heart. To which Todd <laughs> just replies, Okay, as if he's got nothing else on that day. Todd races again, runs comedically round. They do put in these running cutscenes. I've never noticed it, but there's always a cutscene. He yeah. races round um, to break the news to Hollyhock, who is, of course, pretending to clean Channing Tatum's house, uh, that it's not a match. Uh, decides to give her that news, possibly off the fact that he's just been let down by Bojack again and maybe doesn't pass that one on to her. That's just speculation but diane knocks on the door um on the other side of the door uh she is there trying to obviously speak to Channing Tatum because she's got this dna match and she's got this big story to write forcing todd on the other side of the door to do a ludicrous off-base impression of Channing Tatum which is just him speaking in a deeper slightly new york affected accent for some reason um <laughs> as diane shouts through that there was a dna match uh, between the uh, the two samples that she'd been given, she'd like got hold of. Hollyhock hears that from inside the house and puts two and two together. But in the meantime, Diane admits to uh, who she thinks is Channing Tatum that she can't do the story anyway. Um, she just doesn't want to be that kind of journalist. Todd 
still doing a stupid voice, notes how much integrity she's got for going there first and telling them all about it before I even begin to write the story. Inspiring Diane to keep at journalism, to keep at the writing, um, all the same. She leaves in a much better mood than she was. She dashes off saying, love Harvey movies, and then uh, leaves the scene completely. <laughs> and as Todd turns round to try and take stock with Hollyhock again, she's gone. The curtain flutters in the wind. We assume that she had left through her window. Before he can deal with that, he gets yet another angry call from Princess Carolyn about yet again not being seen with Courtney Portnoy uh, and vanishes off to meet her in a bar. It's obviously after the fashion show. She's now dressed in $50,000 versions of his clothes. <laughs> and they actually briefly talk and sort of bond. Uh, Todd mentions a meeting that he was supposed to go to tonight, which is, of course, the meeting that he mentioned earlier with Princess Carolyn, which we haven't heard about since because nobody's let him get any bit of his day in for a goddamn split second. Um, but he's worried now about that meeting that it isn't going to be what he wants it to be. Um, they finally, eventually get packed together. Um, <laughs> with them now all calling Todd, the paparazzi that is, calling Todd a supermodel boyfriend. So the whole point has yet again been missed because Courtney <laughs> Portnoy is mixing with the exact wrong people to get Miz taken over the line. Um, and it gets worse because Courtney tells the gathered masses how they're now engaged. Todd replies with, hooray, I'm confused. Uh, he goes back to Bojack Horseman's. Um, again, races back and he tells Bojack that he's Hollyhock's father. Uh, Bojack learns of this news while he's pouring a drink for himself. I think it's whiskey. And the whiskey <laughs> just pours and pours and pours out of this glass as Bojack just replies with non sequiturs. But I don't even relate to what Todd's saying. You're her father. I'm Bojack Horseman. He just keeps saying things like that as the whiskey spills everywhere, forms a little puddle on the carpet. Um, he takes the news quite well when he kind of comes to realise that perhaps she doesn't want anything to do with him and maybe that's for the best. He tries to make it about himself and how he screwed things up with Todd because of what happened with Emily. Um, he notes that he slept with the only girl Todd loved, but Todd says that maybe he didn't love her. And this sidelines into another conversation about Todd possibly being whisper it asexual. Although, don't whisper it, say it out loud, which Todd does for the very first time to Bojack. Um, Bojack is a supportive friendly ear he is at very least completely acceptant of it as a sexual choice uh todd's personality preference he doesn't judge him in the slightest for this um but he rushes too quickly into assuming that because todd didn't have feelings for emily that must mean that he's not done anything wrong now missing the point entirely about just all the ways he's, he's hurt todd and the layered and deep betrayal that todd felt mm. over the course of about two or three years of their friendship uh todd says he's not ready to be friends but they can be more than not friends. Uh, and he leaves Bojack's house saying, welcome back, Bojack. It's good to see you. Uh, that's kind of enough for them for now. Uh, Bojack's doorbell goes again, and it's Hollyhock. Before we get any conversation, though, we feared to um, Todd going to the asexual uh, support group meeting at Bellican's Bar. So he has at least managed to attend that meeting. He's managed to, having braved it with Bojack, be able to brave the possible benefits of going to meeting with other like-minded people. And finally, to end where we began, we are at the Hollywood Bowl, where he finally misses his triangle spot. The proud lion sits in the middle of the stage, looks wistfully out into the crowd and says, good for him. And credits. Oh, I'm knackered. Uh, I'm as tired as Todd looked. And breathe, my God, oh. and breathe. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, he's put a good shift in there, and I think you put a pretty good shift in there yourself. Let's not let's not get it wrong. So yeah, we got um, endings upon endings, not just to Todd's day, but to the 
uh, I guess the micro arcs that were sculpting bigger things for this season. We got this introduction of this Courtney Portnoy and a resolution of sorts, just not in the form that we would have expected. She is far from a one-note joke because she's just got engaged to Todd, one of the central characters in the show. Um, as you've said, Diane uh, and Mr. Peanut Butter's situation may rear its ugly head because Diane has decided to stay in this field when it looked as if all was lost. Todd has kept her in the game. Bojack Horseman is back in Hollywood and doesn't know where he stands with anyone, but at least now he knows where he stands with Todd. Um, their friendship isn't exactly back on track, but it's on Todd's terms. And I think it said something that Bojack was the person that he decided to, well, I don't know, come out to. I welcome any asexual listeners, if there are any out there, to give us the right phraseology for that. But that was certainly how the scene was framed. It was if saying the words was the thing he was never comfortable with doing before. Getting it off his chest, it was Emily that put it to him. And Todd has said, you know, in a number of different contexts, that he's not about labels. But mm. here he was, and it was to Bojack, of all people, a guy who, you know, for all we thought their trust was long lost, this appeared to be the building, albeit very small, of a new bridge between them. Yeah, a series of endings to Todd's long and stressful day. We've come a long way, haven't we, from the very beginning of that episode. Like, 27 minutes, yeah. <laughs> like, there's so much going on now that was not going on at the start of this episode. And here's, here's my hot take on all of your little, I say little diving, the plentiful diving that we've had there. <laughs> Normally when we finish this episode, what's usually we're talking about how much Bojack Horseman has ruined everybody else's life. <laughs> And his own, probably, to some degree. This episode, there's a reason this is a Todd episode. And think about everything that Todd does in this episode, apart from maybe, you know, accidentally not signing the papers and then accidentally signing the wrong papers, which, in his defence, isn't his fault, I don't think. Oh. I don't think he can be blamed for that. Everybody he interacts with, pretty much, ends up better off. Is yeah. that true? That's like, that true, yeah. He reinvigorates Diane through a long, a long game, shall we call it? He resolves. He, he can. He, Bojack Horseman as a TV show never resolves on purpose. Yeah. Todd, exactly. there's nothing but that. And I feel like that's definitely a creative choice where we've ended on a on an up note. This is mm. ironically we've ended on the high note, which we don't get <laughs> Very because good. they don't give us oh, it. No. It's a, the triangle. Obviously, isn't there to be, oh, Todd rather <laughs> isn't there to play the triangle. So the high note is, of course, the fact that the episode just ends on a high note. And I just think the fact that he managed to reinvigorate Diane and give her purpose again, even though somewhere down the line, I guess, technically, he could have started up a... Mm. Well, there's definitely an issue here with Mr. Peanut Butter. She's not happy about the fracking. She's not, She's not happy about the fracking. She's not going to be happy about the fracking. Let's, <laughs> let's put it right. He's given Bojack a little bit of a, you know, a bit of carrot and stick there in terms mm. of, you know, he's put, it, he's put the past behind him for now, even if he wants to take it slow. As you've said, personally, he's come out or whatever the phraseology is and for the first time accepted that he might actually be an asexual and gone to his first meeting no less he's also managed to get the, the Courtney Portnoy situation down to a certain degree even though it's not what he wanted what Princess Carolyn wanted it still worked and on top of that Michael he's now a supermodel who <laughs> has inspired what we can assume is a $50,000 version of the clothes <laughs> he wears which are now being made by fashion designers which it's is just returning clothes to the people because... you know what it is we call this an incredible day Todd just calls it Wednesday doesn't he just whatever <laughs> day it was it's just another day in the life of Todd but yeah. yes everything everything and everyone that Todd touches turns to gold which is rare it really <laughs> is rare because usually it turns to sh when Bojack gets <laughs> 
it's a rare, it's a rare change. But uh, I think you've probably done enough diving into the <laughs> narrative of it all, and I've given you what I can probably give you. So why not? Should we go back and dive into some of the horsing around section of this episode where we go back to the beginning of the episode and we find all of the little small details, all the things you might have missed, all the Easter eggs, all those tiny little things that maybe you were just not paying attention to that were happening right around you under your nose and you just didn't see it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, probably a bit like Todd, to be honest. Flying around <laughs> so fast that that much is happening. He couldn't possibly take it all in. But don't worry, because I'm here to do just that. So let's go back to the very start of the episode. We find ourselves... At the performance, as you described, the orchestral performance at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, as you see Todd doing his massive undertaking of trying to get from the furthest back point of the ball to the front where he's supposed to be actually playing. <laughs> I don't know how he's managed to do that, to be fair. But then again, this is Todd. Why would he think to go in the back? Who knows? Uh, we'll see a bunch of stuff here. But one of the key things is you'll see there's many different musicians in the orchestral performance. One of them, though, the most notable is... The Willie Nelson criminal, who you will recall has been seen throughout the show and various different points as he's trying to get his life back on track yeah. after the initial introduction of being in prison with Todd in season one, episode six. Uh, our A story is a D story, I think it is. Um, and he's the man who actually knifes a man to death in front of Todd <laughs> in prison. Uh, and that is something that Obviously, he's trying to put behind him, Michael, by playing an instrument in the orchestra. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, I also thought it was brilliant that um, 
they, they actually make reference to that. You mentioned how they talk about the various different things Todd has done. I heard he played track before he played triangle. He was in a prison gang, hence that episode we've just mentioned. The tech millionaire, of course, being the um, the Cabracadabra situation that he had going on. And then the foreign prince, of course, being a reference to the fact that he was, of course, the prince of Cordovia, at least <laughs> for a day, and may or may not start the genocide, if you recall correctly, <laughs> earlier on in this season. Uh, in the, this show, rather, should I say. Um, just a quick nod to the stunning animation or illustration, if you want to call it, for the stuff where they're talking about Todd's mythological saving of the lion. I just thought mm. it was beautifully well done. We've seen it before with other storytelling elements in the show. No exceptions here. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And, of course, the lion saying that he hopes one day wouldn't show up for his triangle part is, of course, a knowing wink and a nod to Ben Affleck from Goodwill Hunting, where he says to Matt Damon that he hopes one day he goes and knocks on his door and he just isn't there, which, of course, mm. ends up happening at the end of that film. Sorry, I've just uh, dropped a huge spoiler for that film. <laughs> I haven't seen it. So there you go. Enjoy that one. Sorry, guys and gals. <laughs> Anyway, opening credits are the same as always. Let's move on quickly and hope you forget that. <laughs> um, we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's this, house. This is a spoiler-free podcast, unless you're mad into Goodwill Hunting. Unless if, you're mad. If you're into 25-year-old films, we can't keep those promises. Listen, I didn't make any promises about being Goodwill Hunting being spoiler-free. Unless it's Goodwill Horseman, and then I will promise I won't spoil that for you. But we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Some brilliant... <laughs> just drop other spoilers for other films in. Like, sp <laughs> spoiler alert, it turns out love actually is all around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you've ruined Christmas for everyone, Michael. <laughs> I hope you're happy. But we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house for some gifts of our own, shall we say. Uh, you'll see outside, there's the, the uh, he has a bus. He's got a campaign bus now. The PB bus, but it is called the Peanut Busser, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. What else is it going to be called? Uh, you'll see inside his house, he's normally got a post out for uh, Mr. Peanut Butter's house, the TV show. Well, instead now it says, Mr. Peanut Butter's State, and it's got a bunch of different characters on there, which feel like they kind of um, pluck from all of the right groups, shall we say. He has a young white chef is in the in the picture. Then we see a black woman who's a state trooper, and then we also see a, dis a disabled cat person who's in a wheelchair, I think in a police outfit. Right. Just like, I'll you know, ticking all the boxes for the political <laughs> campaign, which I just thought was wonderful. Um, and then we also get Todd, who's, as you mentioned, flying around this episode, picks up a comically, comically huge egg. I don't even know what this egg would come from. It's the size of his head. It's massive. And essentially ends up making, the payoff is he's making Mr. Peanut Butter's breakfast. He makes him this omelette-looking thing, which is in the shape of Peanut Butter's head. <laughs> he's made him, he's made his head. Then he's got two blueberries for eyes on this egg. He's got one mushroom that is for the nose, and it's just a wedge of tomato that he's put there as the wagging tongue of Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> as you, of course, mentioned, Peanut Butter wears a bib, PB Bibbon, which is, he has written on it, of course, a reference to PB Living, his, um, his company, their company that they work together yeah. for. Uh, we've mentioned this before, but the man who delivers the papers, of course, works for Fed Ox. Just thought we'd chuck that in there for posterity, because, of course, this is Bojack Horseman. Everyone's got an animal equivalent. Mm -hmm. We go to Princess Carolyn's office, and I'll try me hand at this, Michael, seeing as how you flirted with telling us all about it. But Ooh, as okay. Princess Carolyn is talking all about Courtney Portnoy, she's having a conversation with Todd. She says, you know, you know the actress Courtney Portnoy? And Todd says... She portrayed the formerly portly consort in the Seaport Resort, and to which Princess Carolyn says, 
Courtney Rose, like the formerly Portly Consort, or Courtney Portnoy's forte, but she's got a new action movie, Mistaken, it's called. Of course, <laughs> a nod, by the way, we should still point out, the female equivalent, she plays Mr. Takens. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Taken from the Taken movies, which we all know. <laughs> she plays his niece. Just thought it was such a huge, huge oh guy. Oh Mr. Taken. <laughs> You know, Mr. Taken from the Taken movies. <laughs> oh. I bet you can't tell me his name, though. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. I I mean like we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house once again, and there's just a few cute gags here. As uh, Katrina is talking to Mr. Peanut Butter, she calls him middle-aged yeller, of course, and not, <laughs> to, not being old yeller, but not quite there yet. We get Hollyhock's full name, which I always think gets a good laugh. Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerrero, Robinson, Zilberschlag, Sung, Fonzarelli, McQuack which is not to be said drunk, but probably not to be said sober either, truth be told. <laughs> uh, you've already given us the wonderful sun-dried tomatoes joke, but once again, for the people in the back, in the cheaper seats, Bojack used to say that his penis is like sun-dried tomatoes because <laughs> back in the 90s, it got into everything. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was hilarious that, of course, Peanut Butter, while he was doing, um, he was talking to that the crowd, wasn't he, and trying to tell them he was on the side of the facts, but he's also on the side, Michael, of the feelings. And why might he also be on the side of the feelings? Because I don't know if you know this, but once upon a time, um, Nana Peanut Butter once said that there's always time to talk about feelings, Michael, because feelings are the ceilings of our heart. And a leaky feeling ceiling needs to a flood of blood. And I'm cold. Will you pass me that blanket? And it feels like he's, you know, he's, he's kept that in mind when deciding to speak to the voters of California. Brilliant stuff there. We go to the pharmacy, though. Next, where Todd is trying to get the DNA and figure out whether or not it's a match. And there's a few great signs here. There's one uh, collection. There's a sign in the shop with all of the goods that are in the shop. And it, they're selling pregnancy tests, adult diapers, and snacks, of course. Because, you know, you, you can't go without one or the other, I guess. <laughs> um, there's also a poster that says, a double helix for the price of one, which I thought was quite a cute little gag with the strand of DNA you can see on the, nice. on the top there. And then there's another sign that says, have you hooked your pharmacist? <laughs> Which in the year 2020, I can honestly tell you, no, I haven't. And no. probably be for quite some time. Not that I used to hug my pharmacist anyway, but still. Hey, hey listen, man, if they turned up with some vaccine, vaccinations in their hands, <laughs> I'd worry hey, that I'd do more than hug them. I was going to say, it won't just be hugging, brother. <laughs> Swap the H for T's and we might be onto something. <laughs> Speaking of T's, let's talk about Todd trying to say Hollyhock's name. Because as I said before, I'll run through it once more while Michael Hamlet dies of laughter. He calls here Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Gorilla, Rubber Dub, Zoolander, Hallelujah, something McDonald's, which of course isn't that far away, but it's pretty, pretty close. We go to Sandro's Place, as you mentioned, the new hip diner that everybody goes to instead of Elefante, the Italian place where everybody left Elefante and went to work at Sandro's. Uh, there's a few shops as we see the establishing shot of it next door on either side. We get one. Fin and Feather, which is a clothes store for fish and birds, as you might have gathered. A couple of mannequins in there with the silhouettes of a fish and a bird. Uh, we also get a shop next door that's just called Twigs, um, which is just a shop full of twigs. Michael it's just, <laughs> just literally sells twigs, um, which I thought was quite cute. There's another sign on the uh, on the door of Sandro's place as well that says, no shirt, no shoes, no cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> Which felt very much like a nod to uh, No Soup For You from Seinfeld. I don't know. They kind of had that energy to it for anybody who's a Seinfeld fan out there. Of course, in reference to the soup Nazi. We got the two bird journalists outside, Michael, who are lurking. We've seen them before. They've the come flat the... Razzi. 
<laughs> the flabberazzi, go home, will you? I don't know which you're already home. What can I do? To I was you? trying to, but I just kept flying into the window. <laughs> which is, of course, a reference, everyone, to the, uh, <laughs> the season one of Podcast Horseman. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. The Bay journalists have had their time, yeah. We also got inside the restaurant where the two dog friends, you see them in the back, having dinner. Of course, we've seen them throughout the show. The two best dog friends who are everywhere. They go to all of the events together. The two who originally started life in this show by saying, I just can't stop eating chocolate. It'll literally kill me. They are there having their lunch in the background. And also in the background is a woman having uh, food with her child, who is actually the woman whose pram Bojack always steals and ends up using it for various different things throughout the show. She sat there having dinner with her kid, which I thought was quite a cute little nod. We haven't seen them two in a while, actually. And Bojack hasn't been around to steal their pram. Speaking of Bojack, though, we go back to his house, and Hollyhock is on the hunt for a few clues as to what might be the crack. And she finds a box, as she's rummaging through a box, that has written on it, reviews, and then a little dash that says, don't snoop Todd with an exclamation mark. <laughs> but it turns out that Bojack's been collecting a bunch of bad reviews, Michael, which is what this box is full of. Mm. And in this box, we have a wonderful review that he's kept. Now, you might think uh, bad reviews, Michael, would be bad reviews for Bojack stuff, but it looks like it's bad reviews for other people's things, maybe to make himself feel better. <laughs> I don't know. But let me just read you what this one is that we get the choice pick that Holly that Hollyhock has picked out. The headline reads, Tuna Danza stinks up. Who's the bass? And it's, a <laughs> and it's a review by Nathan Raven. And it reads as follows. <clears throat> oh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it through this, but here we go. The multitude of problems with Who's the Bass begins with the title. Tuna Danza is a tuna, and Judith Light is clearly the bass. How is this a question? And it just gets worse from there. This reviewer will not... Will not be singing Hold Me Closer, Tuna Danza. <laughs> and the rest of the viewers continued on page five. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant little gag, that Tuna Danza. That had me laughing earlier on. Doesn't have any Elton John gimmick glasses or anything on, but, you know, we can dream. The show is only so good, I suppose. Um, also, Hollyhock can be seen throughout this scene later on eating. Uh, she's snacking on some potato chips. It, the, the potato chips brand is Hay Chips. I guess similar to Lee, but also the fact that she's a horse, Michael. Of course she oh is. God, That's why God. she's eating air chips. We go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house now, though, and on the TV, one of a few gags we'll see at this point, when we discover that Peanut Butter has accidentally become pro-fracking, the headline reads on MSNBC, Labrador Refracker. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to Labrador Retriever, of course, because Mr. Peanut Butter is now into fracking, Michael. I guess we'd better get used to it. We go across to, to Diane, though, at Girl Crush. Some fascinating things here. On her computer screen, a few gags that are going on here. Um, there's one headline that reads, New study shows people only read headlines. Apparently, which, of course, feels very pointed given her situation. And I'm sure you and I could probably, you know, relate to this having worked in factory of our own. Uh, and then also on the side, you'll see there's a bunch of, obviously on a website, it says top links on the side and a little bar. And normally that would be links to other websites. But of course, it's the world of Bojack Horseman, Michael. So it's literally the top links, three pictures of three different cats who are all there, <laughs> like links. The cat, Michael, of course, oh wonderful stuff. And then you also get another two articles that sort of slide across as Diane's talking. As you mentioned, one of them has a headline that reads, 65% of dogs found to favour kibbles over 
title, which is an interesting <laughs> bit of uh, statistics there, but also reads as follows then. A recent study of canine grocery shoppers' preferences found that chunky, chewy num-nums are selling at a rate of 21.7%, higher than bitty meat nibbles, Michael. The mouthfeel of the larger morsels makes every consumer feel like a good big dog. The same <laughs> food scientist, Curly Bassett, PhD. <laughs> I can't imagine what kind of animal Curly Bassett is, Michael, oh, but I'll crap. leave that to I'm your imagination. There is, though, of course, another headline that slides across when Todd turns up that is Mr. Peanut Butter Pro-Fracking Hasn't Told Wife. <laughs> uh, we go back to Princess Carolyn's office and we see her computer screen. Again, we get more Courtney Portnoy shenanigans here. She sees she's reading an article on Variation magazine, which we've covered before on this, and it says... Portnoy sans boy, annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, there's also an invitation to um, Shark Jacob's um, fashion show, as we've mentioned already, which reads, ladies and gentlemen, Shark by Shark Jacob's, you're invited to the Jacob's by Shark Jacob's for Shark by Shark Jacob's in collaboration with Shark Jacob's for Shark by Shark Jacob's fashion show. <laughs> so if you can remember what that's called, then you are welcome to turn up and try to get in, Michael, although you might have trouble if someone asks you what you're here for. We do indeed, though, go to the, the fashion show, but on the way, we see Todd doing his funny run as he's running past a bunch of shops and heading towards the fashion show. But as he does run past those shops, we will see there is a sheep who is stood outside of a store. We can't really see what the store... It looks a bit like TV World, it says, mm. and the sheep has got a sign on. He's basically one of them where the signs where you wear it on your body, and it says, the end of the world is coming, Michael, nice. because he's a sheep. Of course, it's not the end of the world, it's the end of the world. Then we go into the actual fashion show itself. As you mentioned, L Entrance is a great potter that had me howling <laughs> at the time. Interesting that the toucan was there as well, was the one that covered up the sign, of course. Not exactly relevant at the time, but a princess, princess, I was going to call her Princess Hannawald there. Lisa Hannawald obviously went off to end eventually make the show Tuga and Bertie. And I wonder how much of a flirtation ah, that was yeah. with the creatures in the show. But um, inside the fashion show, though, we do get a bunch of the audience are notable here. And for good and bad reasons, Michael, which I'm going to get into, which is a rare thing. I do have a bad word to say about this episode, Ooh. which is rare for an episode of Podcast Horseman and Bojack Horseman indeed. But the guests in the audience, of course, we get Shark Jacobs, who, believe it or not, Michael, is in fact a shark, who's meant to be <laughs> Shark Jacobs, of course, the fashion designer. You also get the critic, uh, the sorry, the fashion columnist, who, uh, consultant who you mentioned, Tim Gunn, who's also there and not noticeable if you know, of course, what Tim Gunn looks like. There's also the critic with the scarf, who we've seen in many different things. He's been mm. like a tot, rock opera, he's been at house parties, all sorts of purple scarf glasses, the sort of hair on the sides. He's everywhere, and it seems he's on the pulse of this. But unfortunately, Michael, this is where my criticism comes in here. Amongst the other, actually, before I get into that, amongst the other notable guests, you'll also see Amanda Hannity there, who is the manatee from Manatee Fair, who we've seen in previous episodes. We also see Jay Zebra, who is, of course, Jay-Z in this world, who is floating around. Again, I have another bugbear about that one, but we'll get to it in a second. Because actually, Michael, for a show that takes such care with how many people they see in the background, where they're from, and tying in little stories. Unfortunately, I don't know what I don't know what that's happened here, but they, they I don't want to say they couldn't be bothered, but I do want to say that this is the first time I've really noticed this. They got a bit slack. Uh, and the audience here who are 
like used at the fashion show there's so many repeats if you want to sort of find a fault in this show not that we ever do yeah if you have a look at the audience <clears> yeah there are some people who are repeated as many as three times which mm. is rare say very very rare for bojack horseman so not a huge criticism they've done they might have been on a push they might have just thought it wasn't that important or maybe as you pointed out perhaps maybe it was just a commentary on they all look the same and there's just a very same same nature about that kind of fashion especially style. with it being let's all copy todd's outfit like with that yeah. being the central gag you know i, I do kind of get it I feels do generous it. feels generous it feels generous though because it's the it's the notable usage of jay zebra who actually turns up twice it's mm -hmm. such a we've seen him as being jay-z and beyonce obviously in previous episodes He's in there twice. There's a whole bunch of other characters who you've seen before who turn up twice. The guy I mentioned in the purple scarf, who was actually sat next to Shark Jacobs, disappears when we get the wide shot and is sat at a completely different point, uh, yeah. which just in itself feels weird and sloppy. Not not the usual standards, I don't think. And there are literally layers upon layers where you can see they've been copied and put onto the other side. I realise this is a bit of a negative rant. That's not what this is meant to be. I just thought it was fascinating because it's yeah. not normally see from this show at all mm. there's actually it's one guy it's an outlier, isn't it it is there's actually one guy who's in three times the guy you might be able to find him if you're watching this episode he's in a hawaiian shirt with glasses on if you can find all three of them let us know because it's a <laughs> rare moment but a golden nugget of maybe they were just having a busy day and you know what we'll let them off but it just it felt notable not that i've just completely derailed all of the positive talk with this whinging about this one <laughs> tiny fairly insignificant thing never mind we shall move on anyway because as we come out of there todd is running back to go and do another part of his day and he runs past the shop again with the tv on uh, the tv world store with a sheep who's still outside who is now being completely sheared he no longer has any wool on him and the sign that once read the end of the world is coming. It now reads, the end is sheer, of course, because he <laughs> sheared himself, Michael. And that's how that works. Also, a notable thing here, uh, we should point out that while uh, that original headline of Labrador Refracker was on the telly for MSNBC, Randy has a bit of a funny turn, doesn't he? Todd mm, yes. Jumbo has to go and help Randy off screen because he's collapsed. And a guy comes on in the middle of that to sort of, He's got like the typical kind of baseball cap. He looks like a guy who's working as an assistant there, maybe, or something. He comes in on the shot and like you think, oh, goodness, what's going on? And later on, as we go past that TV store again, as Todd's running in the opposite direction, you will see that he is now presenting the news. <laughs> Lovely. The headline Labrador refractor, the guy who's like, a I don't know, an AD or something, is just sat there in the chair doing the news mm -hmm. instead of Tom Gumbo Jumbo, a tiny little thing. You see, they put loads of effort in there, but what? They couldn't be about to do the audience. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I don't know. Shut up, Adam, and move on. Anyway, Channon Tatum's house. A brilliant moment, this. We go into Channon Tatum's house. Where is Channon Tatum? <laughs> I know he's away. I mean, they're supposed to be there. He's, they've been let in his house. He's not there. But but I tell you what, Michael, I'll tell you what is there. A brilliant statue of him from Magic Mike. It's like a bust <laughs> of himself with the uh, all in white with the, the six pack abs and the very much the magic Mike look that we all the magic Mike who I work with looks very similar I must be honest I think he's the second sexiest man in that film if I'm honest <laughs> just about just about <laughs> just about and there's also a stripper pole in his house Michael of course <laughs> there is because this is a house of the guy who was in magic Mike so what you're gonna do <laughs> has to have a stripper pole in his house we finally go off to Princess Carolyn's office and it's just another gag on her screen uh, again portney courtnoy um revolving around her shall we say it says schlubby nobody becomes schlubby somebody basically <laughs> 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 sums up todd's entire episode i guess yeah. when it goes from nothing to something and i guess 
that is about it, really, for Horsen. <laughs> um, a mad episode, to say the least. But we've, we've zipped through that quite quick compared to usual. And I guess it's just reflective of how fast Todd is throughout this whole goddamn yeah, episode. Yeah. Anyway, that might have been all the bits for Horsen around. But, Michael, we still have time for one last thing. And then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. However, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a little a curveball here because I actually I'm gonna do two last things. So why don't I do one, then you can okay. do one, and then I'll do another one. How about that? I'm good for that, yeah. Because I accidentally found myself with a few more than maybe I would have wanted. But hey, I'm sure you're not gonna complain about that. Also, just a quick nod, by the way, you mentioned it. Bojack filling up that glass gag when he gets told he's probably smaller <laughs> is something hilarious. The way the whiskey's pouring over is amazing. But one last thing. The first song, the first one I've got for you, Michael, is here's just a little callback to one of my other one last things from a previous, uh, from last season, should I say. Now, at the start of the episode, Todd is rushing down and he gets on the set of the the performance at the Hollywood, the Hollywood Bowl and he gets on stage, Michael, and dings his instrument, doesn't he? Bing! He finally gets in that one big note. And at this time, it's fair to say what, he's not in he hasn't spoken to Borja properly in about a year's time, yeah? yeah? It's been a while. What is the instrument that Todd is playing, Michael? Oh, God damn it. It's a triangle, Nicholas. It's a triangle, isn't it? Yeah. Todd is playing a triangle, which is another negative thing associated with Bojack Horseman. And, look, I'm not saying that they've tried to build up this thing, but we are seeing repeated instances where anything that's associated with Bojack in a negative light is, of course... Oh, somehow related to a triangle. This is just another one to add to the collection. So that's my first one. Would you like to go next, shall we? I'd really, really like that. I'm proud to be the filling of your sandwich today. Um, Ooh. I might. You've said that we've tried to get through this at a pace. So let me ruin that by going potentially a bit long with my one that's last okay. thing. Um, I welcome it. Right. This might be a stretch. This might just be me. Going overboard with a theory, a theological theory, if you will. Oh, I'm excited. Go right the way back to the start of the episode. They're sharing their parables of a mythological hymn. Now imagine that you put a capital H on that hymn. Okay. And imagine that if you misheard Todd and you thought somebody said God. And then imagine, (laughs) if you will, just imagine, just imagine, if you will. Yeah. But hypothetically, in Hebrew, the language that, of course, he would debate in terms of the Jewish faith with the lion, with the parable of the lion, who he rescued the life of. Yeah. Imagine if in Hebrew, Chavez was to mean, may God protect. And imagine oh. over the course of an episode, this character with mythological stories, with a name that means may God protect, with a first name that sounds an awful lot like God, this man just goes and he arrives and then he solves and then he moves on from one to another and he resolves. And imagine if in this very same episode, should God be coming back to earth, he would walk past somebody that would have signs that say things like the end of the world or the end is here, of course, with parodies because it's Bojack Horseman. Mm -hmm. And imagine if you weren't even a religious type, if you were an atheist even, and you were to say the words upon considering these potential sightings of God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the idea of something is better than the truth. Ah, oh, dear me. 
is this a pitch when we've <laughs> talked about a wizened figure that people just want to gravitate towards because something about a faith in him makes their life better than it was before he came into it? Are they suggesting Todd's God? <laughs> is Todd God, Michael? Is that what we've just stumbled across here? Is, is it God, Chavez, all along? You know, I'm struggling to find a defence here. If, if we were in court right now, you'd have my pants down. <laughs> that is that is a hell of a spot. I mean, I don't know what has made you go and look up Chavez in Hebrew. I tell you what, though, if I was wearing a hat, it would be a beanie, <laughs> and I'd be taking it off to you right now, my friend. I just... Like, hooray, a Todd episode. It felt... You know, the things he had to do in this episode, I'll be honest with you, felt biblical. Yeah. They the, it made me reflect back on the so we've said obviously all the stories are true all the things are true that these but they don't sound like they can possibly be true and that obviously makes you think of the water into wine the feeding of the five thousand you know, and so on and so on and so on and yet they go one further to the one that can't possibly be animated because we can never verify that todd saved that lion's daughter from drowning had a conversation about jewish ethics <laughs> circumcised the lion on a ladder as they were being helicoptered to safety it's that sort of story that somebody of faith may have like repeated from the bible and again that's yeah. their faith where an atheist would be like well, that's bollocks that is that's yeah. just what somebody would report to that lion just felt the more I looked into this, the more there was to look at. And uh, the more I'm thinking about it, what kind of footwear does Todd wear, Michael? <laughs> Sandals. Because <laughs> I had this prepped before we started recording. The one thing I was trying to find and I couldn't when we were kept laughing about him running was any instances of him walking on water. Well, that's the, honestly, I've been sat here thinking, was there a moment where Todd walked on water? I couldn't get to one, but I feel like there might be enough to stack up that they are suggesting what? that maybe all along, like God, Family Guy and The Simpsons have done this. These figures actually walk amongst us rather than being uh, uh, somebody in the clouds or somebody in the Bible or whatever your faith that you may practice if you're listening to this yeah. podcast. Um, maybe in Hollywood, God wears a beanie that people want to buy a $50,000 version of. Listen, if it's going to get them into heaven, then maybe that's exactly what they'll do, Michael. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows at this point? But that is, I mean, it's an outstanding pull, that like, I mean, again, hats off to you for that, because that is absolutely wonderful. Mine is another follow-on to that, which probably balances out quite nicely. We've gone from this amazing take to one that is a callback in itself. Um, it comes from Hollyhock. Hollyhock says to Todd, again, ironically, to Todd, um, who is sort of turned up just before he, I think I, I can't decide if it's just before, or just after he's told her that uh, Bojack isn't her dad. And it isn't, it's not a, a, a DNA match, shall we say. She says the following quote, and I just want you to remember this, not like a ninth, it's when she feels a bit rejected. She says, not like a ninth dad is what I need to suddenly fill a hole in my life that the unconditional love of eight dads couldn't already fill. Now, normally that's just a bit of a gag in itself. That's quite funny. Mm -hmm. But what is the one thing that our protagonist has claimed to have had from the very beginning that he just can't plug back up? He said it's like he has a hole in himself oh, and the, yeah. all of the good has fallen out of him for years and years and years and it just keeps spilling out and there's nothing he can do. It just feels very coincidental that that is also a hole that perhaps Hollyhock shares with him. Really, I just thought like I was quite that. really like that. And even, even though that's, you know, ties to Borja, of course, that does actually tie back into the last episode we just watched as well of course the literal hole that went into the head 
of poor uh, Honey Honey Sugarman. Honey um, Sugarman, yeah. During her lobotomy. So I'm not saying that uh, created a horrendous chain of events or anything, Michael, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> it's just anyway. like, it's made me, th- made me think, sorry as well, just we're going to okay. do episode four next week and we're going to preview that in just a second. But the events of season three were ultimately so substantial that it's taken three episodes in season four to bring us back to a kind of a, a square one for the season. Yeah. We had so the chaos, we said chaos of Mr. Peanut Butter in episode one. We had the darkness of Bojack in episode two. And we have done it again. We had the light of Todd in episode three. And only hey. now and only now do we find ourselves to a status quo where the characters where we can fi- like finally get going almost. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if that was a moment where Todd disappeared and then rose again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked he like... Did have a nap. He, he did have a nap on the set at one point. <laughs> Maybe that giant egg was to feed 5,000. Oh, God, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Please, if you find any more instances of that within this episode, do send us them at Podcast Horseman. I tell you what, we might as well just dive straight into our plugs for their show <laughs> in general. Why not from there? It seems like a good enough jump jumping off point indeed so as i said if you want to follow this podcast or you want to indeed share your favorite bits from this episode previous episodes previous seasons you can find this podcast on twitter and instagram at podcast horseman we have spent three seasons now and into the fourth trying to grow a community of people who enjoy uh, bojack horseman and enjoy listening to a podcast about it and if that's your sort of thing please do give us a follow and genuinely have as many chats with us as you want about anything to do with the show. Of course, we can only talk about things that are up to where we are in the show, because this is, of course, a spoiler-free podcast, unless you're talking about Goodwill Hunting. And if you'd also like to speak speak to, if you'd like to follow, sorry, one of your hosts, you can also do that. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, at Podcast Horseman, or you can follow Michael Hamflet. At Michael Hamflet. Um, you can subscribe to this Godcast on Apple Toddcasts. Um, you can follow on Spotify. You can listen on Aircasts. You can pretty much find us anywhere you get your podcasts at this point. On Apple Podcasts, we would love you to subscribe and leave a review. On Spotify, we would love you to follow and leave a review. On Aircasts, we would love you to subscribe. And if you don't want to subscribe, but you want to listen through the Aircast player, you can do so through our at Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Every Friday, like clockwork, since January 31st, 2020, baby, that podcast has dropped onto that feed and this week will be no different you can listen to it through the player there it's all embedded it makes it nice and easy for you and again to go back to apple podcasts if you want to leave us a five star review that would be lovely it gets us up the charts it gets more people listening it gets more people downloading gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse and building that community and every week we will be inducting somebody into our hollywood talk of fame and this week is no different um this week uh, as just to reiterate from the start of the episode if you want to leave us a five star review say something nasty say something nice it's all good you will get a mention and you'll get your star just like in this particular episode but you got the Cleo who uh, gave us feedback title <laughs> it's the it's the little things great bit of feedback from but uh, but you got the Cleo says uh, this show is a true gem and so is this podcast in trying to get friends to watch it I tell all of them that this is not family guy this is not the Simpsons it has depth the hosts make the same reference many times in diving into the show. I recommend you listen to this podcast after you've seen the entire series through. I say this because the hosts are excellent at pointing out the many small details, perfect for a second watch, but perhaps distracting for first-time viewers. The hosts are fantastic, and I'm thoroughly enjoying listening to an episode, then going back and watching the show again with their perspective in mind. I'm eager to see where this goes once the episodes get really dark. Yeah, I feel like we've gone dark enough, to be honest, and it's only going to get worse. <laughs> Great podcast. Thank you. Thank you. But you've got the clear start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame coming its way to you through all the user social channels very soon 
Thank you very much for that. A wonderful, wonderful, um, a wonderful review of that. Mm. You know, sometimes it feels like we might actually be doing some good work. You never know. I'm sure the test of time will tell us, Michael. I mean, that is lovely, but I really don't mind the abuse as long as you put five stars on there first. You can go as wild as you got damn like. At Michael yeah. Hamlet, I think you always like to carry out that with, don't you? I'm, I'm glad you did that. I just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> just a reminder again, that is at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-A-M-F-L-E-T-T, and you can send him all the abuse you'd like. I will be open, and the DMs will be open for all of the positive stuff you'd like to send to me. Thank you very much. Speaking of positive stuff, though, before we go away, uh, I just thought it would be nice to give this a little plug because uh, over the weekend, uh, the let me just get this right, the Gershwin Philadelphia Jewish Film Festival mm. took place. Uh, and that might sound like a completely out of left field for a listener or two, but for anybody who's in the know, uh, at that specific film festival, there was a talk, a lovely talk, with our very beloved Raphael Bob Waxberg, who was guesting there and did a talk brilliantly called I am smart and everyone else is wrong, which is <laughs> which, which was his masterclass for uh, writing for television, uh, yeah. essentially, that he did. It was a three-way um, Zoom chat like you could basically turn up and watch. And it was all for free because it's obviously very difficult to go to these things right about now. Uh, but that is now fantastically available for free up on the Gershman uh, sorry, let me get this right. The Gershman Philadelphia Jewish Film Festival YouTube page. You can find it. So what I might do is I might put the link to that in the description. Well, this we'll, put it, in the, we'll put it in the show notes for this one. So people yeah, can we'll scroll down it, and find it. Put it in the show notes. So if you want to find it, it should be in there. I will. I hope I remember to do that. If I don't, somebody shout at me and I'll certainly pass that on. Um, but yeah, it's a brilliant watch. It's a it's two hours long, um, but... Raphael dives into some... Raphael? My good mate, Raphael. <laughs> RBW dives into a bunch of things and provides excellent screenshots from little bits of text and character mm. descriptions that he's done. It's, it's really, really worth your time if you're into that sort of thing. We were in there talking with a few people who were on the chat as well at the time. There was... Um, I forget what her name is, but she runs the Bojack Hidden Jokes account, which yes, I'm sure yeah. many of you are familiar with. The lovely chat room. Yeah, really nice positive chat room in there. So if you if that sounds like your kind of thing, please do go and check that out because it's an extra little bit on top of this. Of course, I will preface that with, if you haven't watched the whole show, maybe be careful because there will be spoilers in there. But other than that, if you're happy to go in, by all means, please do. In terms of a uh, production note for Podcast Horseman, of course, there were a lot of questions that tread on our toes for the finale, so I'm going to have to come up with a whole lot of new stuff when we get RBW on there, because he covered all sorts of ground. I was having to tick off all the questions that I had planned for him. Back to the drawing board for the Podcast Horseman finale. Thank you very much, Film Festival. Uh, it's all right, man. We'll figure something out. We'll, just ask, <laughs> we'll ask him who his favourite Newcastle United and Sunderland football players are. We'll have a laugh. It'll be great. He'll, he'll really enjoy that. Anyway... Yeah. Anyway, that was then, this is now. Let's talk about what is happening on the next exciting episode of Bojack Horseman, Michael Hamflin, courtesy of the Netflix synopsis. Episode four of season three. No, episode four of season four. Mm. I think I said season three at the start of this podcast as well. So if I did, my apologies. We are on season four. We're just, we're just flying through this, absolutely flying. Season four. Episode four, it's called Commence Fracking, Michael, which doesn't sound <laughs> good, I'll be honest. The campaign takes a toll on Diane's love life. Bojack helps Hollyhock search for her mom. Her mom, should I say, for all our American listeners out there. Princess Carolyn tries to get pregnant. Hmm. So, lots of stuff going on in this episode, and if you want to find out what happens, as always, 
you're just going to have to come back next week and tune in to find out all about that. But until then, thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode of Podcast Horseman. As always, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael, which in Hebrew means who is like God. Yeah, I mean, I'm not buying that. I'm not I'm not having that be the final note of this podcast. I refuse. <laughs> I absolutely refuse. Who is like God? He's actually showing me this. I should point out to everybody at home. Showing me it on his phone. You know what it is. I'm just going to leave now. Goodbye, everyone. This has, of course, been uh, Godcast Horseman. <laughs>